Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 93 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and I'm joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Good to be here. Glad we got some breakfast this morning at the good old Flame Burger. It was delicious. Got that uh, Ranch Junior, and I had a good weekend. I got... Uh, Got to watch some football, and that mm-hmm. was enjoyable. Close games and everything. Uh, a couple went over to my team. You know, we we tied, which is why are there ties in professional sports? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just like a waste of a game. Like, okay, I guess. Well, <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we played go. all this time and got nothing for it. But uh, it was good. I, I was disappointed that some of the close games didn't end in Hail Marys because those are kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was good. How about you? How are you doing? Uh, I, I'm doing well. Uh, same thing as you with with watching some football this weekend. Had my kiddos out of town <clears throat> with my parents uh, as uh, our wives were part of a women's retreat, and so I got yes. uh, a little bachelor weekend too. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so now now back to real life uh, with responsibilities <laughs> again. But uh, it's good. Missed missed the kids, and uh, so I'm I'm excited for the week. But you brought it up there in your intro, watching football. You know, at the end of some close games, you love to see when they're just when teams are a little bit too too far out for a field goal. They they throw what's called a hail mary, which is basically just drop back, chuck it as far as you can, and hope for the best. It's like a prayer. Yeah, maybe yeah. like a like a prayer, right? Where it comes it comes through that way, and and we bring that up as an intro because we're actually going to be asking the question today on the show, or answering the question, hopefully, will Catholics go to heaven? Some people just cringed a little bit as they hear this. Oh no, this is this is getting pretty real. One of the biggest uh, denominations, really, throughout history of the Christian Church. But I think as we answer this question, this is also going to apply really to any denomination, right? Regardless of whether you're Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran, or you can't decide what you are and identify as non-denominational, <laughs> we will be answering that question of you know who, who's going to go to heaven, and but but specifically focusing on some Catholic Catholic doctrine today. And so, Jackie, you're going to start us out start us off with some problematic Catholic doctrine from St. Augustine, right? A very very well-known guy that actually, you know, we we've read some of his writings and like a lot of what he talks about. Yeah, I mean, it was it was probably less, I guess, his doctrine per se and more just from the Diocese of St. Augustine. It's a website you can go to. Um so it's 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 Catholicism sort of in that tradition of of Augustine. Sure. Yep. Okay. And so a lot of the stuff that we're pulling to explain, okay, this is what Catholicism teaches. It came directly from that site. Uh, and so, um, for example, salvation, uh, Catholicism teaches that salvation is by faith in Christ, and it comes as a result of baptismal regeneration. And in order to secure salvation, one must observe the Catholic sacramental system. Additionally, Catholicism teaches that salvation is secure unless one commits a willful act of sin that removes that saving grace. And if, when that happens, you commit that, that sin, confession to a priest uh, called penance is necessary to restore saving grace. In other words, a Catholic doctrine teaches that salvation is a result of good works mm-hmm. uh, that start with baptism and continue through the sacraments 
with a habit of regular confession of sin to a priest. Yeah, and so in contrast, the Bible teaches that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We see that uh, most often, or, or, or most well said, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Right. So very clear what it is that saves, and also that it's not a result of works. I mm-hmm. love that Paul mentions that, so it's very clear there of what salvation looks like. Yeah, and, and, and in fairness, I believe that that if you were to ask a Catholic priest or bishop or whatever, they would say they don't believe it's by works, but then when they extrapolate what salvation is, it most certainly requires works. Yep, yep for sure. Titus 3, verse 5 says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So again, clearly not because of works done by us. Right. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And you say, well, there just said obey, but that obedience again is that belief. This is what God requires, belief in Christ Jesus, that, that faith. Or Acts 4.12, it says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men which we must be saved. So I think, Jackie, then the question is, what role do works play? Because we, right. we both argue that works do play a role. And we see in James 2, 17 through 18, uh, it, it talks about that and it says, so even so faith, if it has no works is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. And I think that that's the key there is we see that, that works are a result of faith. Right. So because we love Jesus, because we have the belief in who he says he is, that he died on the cross and rose again for our sin and that we can't do it on our own, but we need Jesus as a result of that gift, that is where works come, right? right. I, I always think of it like marriage, right? It's uh, as I as I love my wife and married her, right? How I act from there towards her is, is not me trying to earn her love when I do the dishes for her. It, it's yeah a result of my love for her that I do those things for her because I love her. You're not more married if you do things for her or less married if you don't. It's just, it just shows how you actually feel about, about your wife. Right. Works do not contribute to salvation. They are the result of one who has been saved. You were regenerated by the spirit and then you do good deeds. So go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which you read earlier, by grace you've been saved through faith, right? Not through works, through yeah. faith, not the result of works is what it says. It goes on then in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, it says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So we are saved to go and do those things. That's what God desires us to do. And if we have been saved, we do have faith in Christ and we have been born again. The result of that, the proof of that, the evidence of that is that we will walk in those works that God has for us, but those things do not save us. So uh, penance and the sacraments and baptism, none of those things uh, contribute to salvation in any shape or form. Yeah, John 14, 15 comes to mind. If you obey me, or if you love me, so excuse right. me, if you love me, you obey my commands, right? It's, it's as a result of love that obedience comes. Good. Uh, another issue that we have is the prayer or worship of Mary or even just saints of the past. Uh, Catholics believe that you should pray to and petition Mary and other saints that have already passed away and have been ushered into heaven. 
This is not seen as an optional part of their faith, but an essential part of Catholic doctrine. Yeah, and even, so like, if you go to St. Paul's Cathedral here mm-hmm. in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, there's all these different stations where they'll have a, a stone statue or whatever of a particular saint or of Mary or something, and all these candles that you can light, and you sit there and you pray. And, you know, there's even like the patron saint of workers, or the patron saint of mothers, and all these mm-hmm. different saints that you would then petition uh, in your particular situation yeah. and, and pray to. And uh, that that is just something that doesn't jive well with Scripture. First uh, Timothy two five says there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So there's only one person that goes between us and the Father, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, you you can't pray to someone else. Uh, Jesus is the one that we are going through. He is the mediator. Mary is is not a mediator, and, and neither are any other saints. Yeah, John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then it says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So just driving home that point, right? The only connection to the Father is through our mediator, Jesus. Hebrews seven twenty five. therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him. And then it says, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So right. again, Jesus is the intercessor here, just like we see in First Timothy, just like we see in John. It's not Mary. It's not any of the other saints. And so really, I, th- I think you could view some of that stuff as idolatry, right? Pra- yeah, praying, absolutely. Praying that, to somebody, worship, yes. because whether whether you call it worship or not, if you're going to pray to somebody as a that's means worship. of connecting with yeah. God, that is worship 100%. to somebody who's not God. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of the sense I get too. Any time I've ever been into a Catholic cathedral or whatever, I sort of get this deep um, sense, this uh, sort of grieving of the Holy Spirit of seeing those statues or those, uh, to me, they, they look like idols and people are, are bowing down there and praying directed at that particular item or, or like the rosary bead or the crucifix or whatever. And so uh, we need to be very careful about that. The other thing that's an issue just, I guess, with Mary in general is Catholicism teaches that Mary uh, is a perpetual virgin. In other words, uh, she was the virgin mother. Obviously, she was. Jesus was born to, to Mary the virgin, but they teach that she was always been a virgin. That's uh, kind of one on one in Catholic doctrine. She's still that way, but biblically, that doesn't line up. Uh, in Matthew fifteen fifty five through fifty six, we hear this response to Jesus. It says, "Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother called Mary? And are not these his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all these his sisters with us?" Well, where did he get these things? So Jesus had sisters and he had brothers from Mary or uh, Mark 6, 3, John 2, 12. They also mention uh, brothers of Jesus, Acts 1, 14, uh, when the early church was gathered together waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, Luke tells us that that James was there, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then in Galatians 1, 19, Paul says the same thing. I went and visited with James, the brother of our Lord. Um, so. If Jesus had siblings, then Mary also must have had these other children, yeah. and so she couldn't be a perpetual virgin. And then they also teach that Mary never sinned, which also, again, flies in the face of, of I think, clear biblical teaching like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And even Mary, Mary, Mary wasn't perfect. She was godly. She was declared righteous. Uh, she uh, was favored, but that doesn't mean she was sinless. Yep. So another issue we have is the sacramental system. A sacrament is a religious ceremony or ritual regarded as imparting divine grace 
And Catholics believe each sacrament was instituted by Christ. Now, there's seven Catholic sacraments. You have the baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, penance, anointing of the sick, holy orders, and matrimony. They teach that a believer is given the saving grace of God upon reception of these sacraments. Mm. Right. So the, 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 the grace, the saving grace we receive is imparted or brought on when we participate in these sacraments. And again, go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which I think contra, uh, is a big contrast to that, is by grace you have been saved through faith. So the grace is received through faith, not through sacraments, right? Uh, and it says this is the gift of God, not the result of works. Mm-hmm. And so there's not these things we must do to receive this grace it's only in faith that we receive grace. Yeah, in Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So pretty clear what it takes. I think that's one of the easiest verses to quote to people. And it says, what is it? To, how am I saved? Well, here's how. This very, very clearly, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, uh, of these things, and that—that's what it is. That's what faith is, yep. right? It's—it's it's the confession of Christ as Lord. It's believing what the Bible has to say about Him, trusting in Him. A couple other issues. Just there are seven sacraments that we just want to point to two of them real quick to show you some, I think, inconsistencies biblically and in how these don't make a lot of sense. So the first one is the Eucharist, uh, communion, and and obviously communion is biblical. We see it. We call it the Lord's Supper or um, communion. But uh, transubstantiation is the Catholic belief there. And Catholics uh, believe, the Catholic doctrine teaches that the Eucharist or communion actually, literally becomes the body and blood of Christ. And it's the primary means by which the receiver receives, uh, the believer receives Christ into one's own life. Uh, the institution of the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or communion. Um, however, I think would logically make that false. Uh, Luke 22, 19 through 20, Jesus, it says this, Jesus takes bread, he gave thanks, and it says he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, it says he took the cup after he had eaten, saying the cup, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. It's very clear there that Jesus is speaking figuratively, yep. right? He gives them bread. He, he his his body is still there. They're not eating his body. Yep. Um, he doesn't pour out his blood and put it in a cup. It was the wine that was present there. So even when you see this, just a simple reading of the institution of this, what they call a sacrament, we would call it an ordinance, um, is, is it isn't literally his body. It isn't literally his blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if Jesus wasn't even literally doing that when he had the ability to cut off chunks of flesh and, and have his it. blood pour out, then, <laughs> and then I don't think that it would make sense that we right. would need to view it that way either. Yeah. Uh, another one, baptism. Catholics believe in regenerational baptism. We brought that up a little bit ago. That is, they believe that one has their sins washed away and receives the Holy Spirit by means of baptism. We see in Acts 16, 30 through 33, it says, Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. So baptism was after yep. 
salvation and not the means of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you, you can learn more about that if you want. Uh, you and Drew, actually, uh, on episode 29 of our podcast, uh, a- answered the question, what is the right way to baptize? And we do address infant baptism and different things. And that's another issue with Catholics when it comes to baptism. Catholic doctrine uh, teaches that infants need to be baptized. And they do this because they believe that infants need to be baptized in order to remove that original sin they are born with so that they are free from the danger of hell until they are able to commit that personal sin. But we believe that uh, children have to reach a certain age in which they are responsible for their actions. They know the difference between right and wrong. And if you want to hear more about that, episode 28 of our podcast, Do Babies Go to Heaven, really gets into that a lot. And so it isn't necessary to be baptized. And it comes from, the, the, the I think, the false belief of regenerational baptism. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the last issues that, that we see just as, you know, from what we can cover in this podcast anyways, is the issue of purgatory, which is one that I think is kind of confusing for a lot of people, especially uh, people who didn't grow up in the Catholic Church because it's not talked about as much. But the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines purgatory as a purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven, which is experienced by those who die in God's grace and friendship but are still imperfectly purified. They believe purgatory is a way is a place we go after death where the final purification of the elect takes place before we are ushered into heaven. Now, first John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So John tells us that in, in life we're from the confession of our sins and through faith, we are going to be purified from all this unrighteousness that allegedly will happen in purgatory, according to the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah, and so Romans 5.1, I think, goes a little bit further, and that's what I understand, because I think sometimes the argument, because we talked about this earlier, is they go to that, that penance, confession of sin, right? First John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and then purify us, right? And they say, well, what if you don't confess your sin before you die? What, what if I thought you know, that was great when you answered, asked that question earlier when we were preparing for the show is like, what if people push back on that? And I think the reason that people push back on that is they don't understand justification. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 5 1 says, We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through justification, that justification there, justified. And what justification is, is where God declares us righteous. And the reason that God declares us righteous is through faith in Christ. It's that grace we get, that gift of God, where Jesus, uh, he atoned for our sins, and that's why God calls us righteous. And that's past, present, and future sins. And it logically makes sense because Jesus died for our sins 2,000 years ago. Everyone alive after that all had future sin at the time in which Jesus died for them. So it has to cover future sin and and so when you put faith and trust in Christ, all your sin is atoned for. John 10, 28 and 29, Jesus even says it this way, I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And so um, I think it, we're getting a little past purgatory here, but I think it's important for us to remember salvation's eternal. Right, it, it, it's eternal life, and if it could end, it wouldn't be eternal. Yeah, and and so that that the idea of purgatory is just so important to realize. 
we can't lose our salvation or get more saved or less saved. We are completely saved. We don't have to go get purified later. And so uh, I think that's a good thing for us to talk about because uh, you know, I think the idea is if we don't confess our sins, we could lose our salvation. But if we're a Christian, maybe not lose it. So we have to get fixed before we get to yeah. heaven. Yeah, and, and we we address some of that in in a, in a question. Can you lose your salvation? Back in episode seventeen, so referencing some of these older ones here, but uh, still just as true today as they were then. So you can go check that out if you have that question. Okay, can we lose our salvation? What about you know? Especially as we looked at early in this episode, there was this belief that you need to confess to a priest because now you're outside of the saving grace of God because right. you've you've sinned too bad, and uh, that that becomes very problematic in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and so that's why we ad- addressed that back in episode 17. Right. And so, so again, purgatory is going back to this belief that there's this place you must go uh, before you get to heaven where you're having this final purification of sins. And we, we believe the Bible is clear. Jesus purifies us completely for all unrighteousness right here, right now. And then we don't have to go to some place where we wait. Hebrews 9.27 says, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. And so we go before God when we, when we die and um, we don't have to go someplace where we, we wait mm-hmm. uh, or we get purified after uh, life. Uh, if you have not been purified of your sins before you die, you're not getting purified yep. of your sins. Now, glorification is different. Glorification is where all of the sin, sin nature, all that's gone. All the things in our life that were, that were there that shouldn't be there, they're completely gone. We're given a new body and completely new Nate, like everything is completely new. Yep. Um, that's different. Glorification. We're made like Christ in heaven. That's different than purgatory. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even just a, a little bit different uh twist on this, Luke twenty three, forty three, when Jesus is on the cross and and he's he's speaking to the robber who who essentially confesses him as Christ that, that day and he says, and he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so even just Jesus's proclamation there, uh, emphasis on the word today, right? And so as they die, Jesus died shortly after that. And so there's this assumption by what Jesus said that that, that he won would be in heaven. So going against this, and uh, maybe something we'll get to at some point, did Jesus go down to hell for three days before he went to heaven uh, that I we don't believe to be biblical, but that uh, he was in paradise and so was this robber right away. And so just the idea of purgatory going if we're going to argue anybody had needed to be more purified, it's probably the robber who just confessed Jesus on his deathbed, essentially. He right. probably had plenty to be purified for uh, based on this uh, theological belief. But Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise, which just seems to fly in the face of that idea of purgatory. Yeah, I agree 100%. If, if you're going to be with Jesus the moment you die, you don't have to go somewhere else to get ready to be yep. with Jesus. Um, one last thought, kind of as we as we go through this, and before you hit the summary, Derek, I don't want people to get the sense that uh, we're anti-Catholic. I think our, our Catholic uh, friends are huge uh, allies in the fight for the right to life, mm-hmm. um, particularly like the, the the fight against abortion. Uh, I think Catholics are are our are, are biggest allies. Unfortunately, I mean, there are many Protestants that are not as serious about this matter as Catholics are. And, I, and so I greatly appreciate that. Uh, additionally, I really love so much about Catholic history. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a much, much of church history has been preserved because of Catholicism. Yep. That said, there was a necessity, there really was a necessity for the Reformation mm-hmm. because the Catholic Church got it wrong. 
And uh, we really did need to, ad- to address a lot of these doctrines. And those things weren't really fixed all that much uh, since, since then. Um, but there's a lot to appreciate. But that being said, having a good grip on history, having a good stance on the right to life, and even having a very good stance on who Jesus is doesn't make us saved. Yeah. And so I think that's why this episode is really necessary. We need to see that it, it's more it's more than than those things. It really it's really by grace through faith mm-hmm. in Christ. Yeah. So I love that thought. Thanks, Jackie. So so to answer the question, will Catholics go to heaven? We believe that the Bible is clear that a person is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If someone is part of the Catholic Church and is under that same belief and lives that out, then we certainly believe that they are mm-hmm. saved. Yeah. The problem is any belief that teaches some of that, plus works or sacraments or anything else, is not the gospel of Jesus, but a distorted message that does not lead to eternal life. We do not believe the quote-unquote gospel message of Catholicism is true to the Bible and thus would not be a saving gospel. We must be on the alert to teachings that add or subtract from the gospel, and we shouldn't assume, just because someone says they go to church, Catholic, Baptist, or whatever, that they have a saving faith. That concludes today's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate your support. God bless, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.